This year, the San Diego Union-Tribune has been analyzing data on violent crimes in the region. Rather than use the typical methodology, measuring it by the city or by police beats, the UT chose to look at crimes at the census block level. Looking at changes in crime at that level paints a different picture. While San Diego has historically low levels of crime as a city, some neighborhoods are seeing just the opposite. For the San Diego Union-Tribune, I'm Daniel Wheaton, and this is your San Diego News Fix. Greg Moran, Lindsay Winkley, you two are part of the Crime Counts team, and Thursday morning, the Union-Tribune published its second installment of its Crime Counts series. First, why don't you explain, why did you choose to look at crime in this unique way? Well, uh, we wanted, uh, we have reported uh, extensively on um, crime data provided by the policing agencies, you know, locally in the state over the years. And a few months ago, we decided that we wanted to do really our own analysis um, in a different way that looked uh, specifically at violent crimes in the city of San Diego. And most importantly, try to uh, analyze that data on a very small level, almost down to the neighborhood uh, level. We thought there was a better way to understand um, violent crime in the city and a better way to make it more relevant to people um, because the way we analyze this data is we break it into census block groups, which are small mm-hmm. clusters of streets, really. I, I, I think it's kind of what it, it equates to what people think of as their neighborhood, their house yes. and the five or six streets around it. And uh, and that would just be more relevant or meaningful to people um, because when you hear crime is down in the city, if you live in an area where you're seeing a lot of criminal activity, you know, that doesn't make sense. So that's kind of we, why we start, started out. Yeah, I think we realized, too, that, you know, San Diego is a very big city and often logs very low crime numbers. But I think for people who are living with crime, they can they can feel a little ignored by mm-hmm. those kinds of statistics. And so part of this story, too, you know, not so much of an effort on this last one. That was more of an update. But especially our first one was really to capture those people's experiences, you know, was to, to kind of boots on the ground report in those communities and get people who live there's perspective. So when looking at it at this very granular level, what is the scene or the picture of crime in San Diego? So in our most recent analysis, which took a look at violent crime between 2014 and 2018, we determined that 17 percent of census block groups had seen violent crime double or more, which really goes against kind of the narrative. If you're looking at violent crime from the kind of the citywide State, you would never, you would never see that. You would never see those places. And that's uh, uh, different than our first story, which mm-hmm. looked at data from 2013 to 17, in the same way, and and found then that 13 uh, percent of all these small areas, these neighborhoods or census block groups, had uh, seen a doubling or more of violent crime. So, I guess the takeaway from this is that. Uh, you know, violent crime is sort of creeping uh, upward in the city and not at a huge rate, but at a noticeable rate. Um, and that's kind of reflected in the overall uh, SANDAG data. SANDAG said that um, violent crime in the city of San Diego increased 3% mm-hmm. citywide overall uh, in 2018. And I think that roughly comports to kind of what we found. And is there anything in common with the census block groups that have seen increases in crime? Um, 
Well, that kind of depends. So one of the things that we did look at, um, this is a good time to talk about that. One of the things that we did look at was all, of, so we had a lot of shifting in kind of our top 20 neighborhood areas. Mm-hmm. Um, most of the neighborhoods that you saw at the top of the list between 2013 and 2017 were no longer on the list. But something that we did find is that every neighborhood that was on the top 20 list this go around, either already had crime on the rise in between 2013 and 2017, or it was directly adjacent to a neighborhood that was on the rise in 2013 or 2014 to 20 or 2013 to 2017. Um, and Greg actually talked to a criminologist who had some really interesting things to say about kind of that phenomenon. Yeah, that it's really kind of not surprising because a lot of what the what this method does uh, in a real practical way is uh, identify sort of hot spots, those areas where crime is either chronic or on the rise. Mm-hmm. Uh, and I spoke to a, a criminologist in, in Missouri, a guy named Richard Rosenfeld, who said, you know, it's not surprising to see new uh, neighborhoods with increased crime close to those uh, that have it, because it's kind of like the analogy he gave, it's kind of like squeezing a balloon. You know, there's a neighborhood where there's a, a increase in violent crime. The police go and they, they sit on that neighborhood and the balloon expands on another uh, part of it. And that's the new census block group where the crime goes up. I mean, it's not, I don't know if criminals are really mobile, but I mean, there is some leakage and some kind of spillover effect from neighborhood to neighborhood, I think, uh, when you have violent crime. And certainly the data really shows that pretty explicitly. And that kind of comports with the uh, experience of many people in which a bad neighborhood doesn't go immediately into an amazing one. There's kind of like a transitory zone in which something bad may happen there occasionally, but not as often as over there. That's exactly right. Yeah. And, and also the, the same is true the other way is that you can see now, we're starting to see a little bit, because now we have six full years of data, you can see sort of, you know, the upward creep, the kind of spots becoming hot spots as these numbers sort of go up and go up and go up. One of the numbers we looked at this time, um, it actually leads to the story, is Mountain View, which is a southeastern San Diego neighborhood kind of near uh, National City. And mm-hmm. that's a place if you look at the year-by-year data, you know, uh, five years ago, I think they had seven violent crimes. Uh, last year, they had 22. And if you look at in between years, like 7, 11, 15, 18, it's kind of creeping up, creeping up. So that's something that to me was pretty interesting. Yeah. In some neighborhoods, you you didn't really necessarily see as gradual of an increase, but you mm-hmm. saw these really sharp increases. Um, there's an area in the City Heights Kensington zone um, that went from 2 to 12. Mm-hmm. And while 2 to 12 doesn't on its face seem like a very big increase for these tiny areas, that's a lot. That's a lot of that's a lot of crime, especially for an area that you may not necessarily, you know, it's, it was kind of new on the scene. So when mm-hmm. you think of that, do you think of two crime, violent crimes is one every six months? Yes. 12 is one every month. And mm-hmm. if you're talking about, you know, you think of the area wherever you live right around your house, if you have you know, cops and lights and sirens in your neighborhood once a month, you know, you're going to notice that. Certainly. And in this this whole analysis and this story series runs counter to the way that many governmental agencies like to look at things. They like to look at things through their own lens. So what response have you gotten from the formal en- agencies that are used to doing analyses in their own way and see a different way? Like, is there some conflict there? 
If there's conflict, I mean, we we've uh, I think San Diego PD um, and Lindsay could probably speak to this more. I think is pretty impressed uh, with what we've done. But when we try to engage them, a lot of times they just say, you know, we don't look at data this way. Mm-hmm. They don't dispute the numbers, but they they just kind of say that's not how they look at it, which is which is fine. Um, you know, I kind of wish they did a little bit because this is very very granular. And I mean, I think they have to know. What this data is. I mean, I don't think there's a there's a police officer who doesn't know that the area around that Mountain View Park is becoming a troubling area. Mm-hmm. Um, this just kind of, you know, pretty explicitly says that. Yeah, and I think that when you get to the division uh, level of the police department, you know, they do have lots of interesting things to say. I mean, for this story, um, the mid city captain talked a lot about kind of this growing crime of opportunity, which is cell phones. We're all carrying. $1,000 pieces of technology with us wherever we go and that's an easy it's an easy thing to spot for people who are looking for you know kind of a quick a quick job um, you know cell phone stores also have become kind of increasingly a target of, of criminals and so I think that I think that as we've continued in this project a lot of government agencies have kind of maybe not a lot but <laughs> at least some of them have come around to the idea um and we've tried to be as transparent as possible mm-hmm. we send anybody who wants to see our data their, our data so i think that's helped mm-hmm. and also uh, when writing these stories a lot of focus is on very diverse neighborhoods like southeast san diego so what response have you been getting from those communities that are featured in this story in again a negative light yeah so particularly for our last story, we wanted to make sure that we were really getting the perspective of the community and we did get a a bit of pushback. You know, I think the notion, um, and it's not wrong, that news agencies in general, but our paper as well, uh, spend kind of an inordinate amount of time covering um, neighborhoods like City Heights, like Southeast, um, and not for all the great things that are happening there. Mm-hmm. You know, we're there a lot covering crime, and so our our news our news focus isn't as balanced as maybe it could be. Um, we were very aware of that when we were working on this story. So we did try to touch base with um, with you know people who have been working deeply within these neighborhoods for many years. Um, that being said. Many people liked the fact that we were calling attention to neighborhoods that maybe need um, assistance in, you know, kind of a resource capacity mm-hmm. that were being overshadowed by citywide crime data. Because mm-hmm. when you're looking at it with so zoomed out, you kind of lose the Everything forest for the trees. Everything looks great. Everything looks great. After all of this, what's the next story you guys hope to tackle? Well, now I think we've we've got a really good baseline down uh, of overall crime data using this approach for, as I said, six years in two five-year blocks. So we know what the data says, and we're really confident in it. You know, it's interesting that um, one of the neighborhoods that popped up in this five-year thing was uh, the Mountain View area, and I'd gone there, I think, on a Tuesday or something and driven around, and, and then the next day there was a homicide in that exact area. It mm-hmm. kind of gives you the sense that... The data was certainly on the right track, and and same thing with a neighborhood we profiled in the first story had a couple of violent crimes in the last week or so as well. So, we we know kind of what the lay of the land is now. So so now I think we want to do a couple things. Is this data is useful to to now zero in even more on one maybe area. So we're 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 talking about and want to do a story about uh, downtown San mm-hmm. Diego, which has a lot 
of areas of violent crime and is also a place undergoing a lot of transformation. That's sort of an interesting story. You can do things with this data. You can look at particular crimes, specific crimes, types of crimes, um, and you can use it to illustrate or to explore, I think, other kind of civic issues, education, park space, you know, things like that. So I think in the future, we're not going to be so much concerned about or writing about here's a big hunk of data and here's a big map and here's what it says. Mm -hmm. We're going to be targeting, I think, areas and topics a little bit more carefully with this data. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, also our first story and this follow-up story kind of focused in on um, residential communities. And Mm -hmm. so we'll shift from that um, with our downtown story. Um, You know, when you look at the map and you see the places that have the highest number of violent crimes, I mean, almost all of downtown San Diego is red. Mm -hmm. So, um, you know, that's something that we're, you know, definitely interested in exploring in, in the coming months. All right. Greg Moran, Lindsay Winkley, thank you so much. You're welcome. Thanks. In other news, the discovery of a hate-filled Instagram account has led to a crackdown at Point Loma High School. Extra police are stationed until the end of the year, and students involved will learn about tolerance from the Anti-Defamation League. Some Point Loma residents are already on edge because three homes were tagged with swastikas last month. The Instagram account had memes of guns and ammo, plus anti-Semitic and anti-Muslim messaging. Thanks for listening to the San Diego News Fix which goes live weekdays at 5 p.m. Our creative director is Beto Alvarez, and our digital editor is Ricky Young. This podcast comes together with support from our creative studio and reporters throughout the newsroom. You can support our journalism by signing up for any or all of our print and digital products at sandiegouniontribune.com slash subscribe. Until next time.